1 Samuel chapter number 1. You know, when you get to special days like this, it's uh, always difficult for me to... You would think that a day like this would make it easier to know how to preach or what to preach or what approach to take. For me, it's always been more of a struggle. Uh, on Mother's Day in particular, I tend to really gravitate to the story of Moses' birth and his mother, the story here of Samuel and his mother, and then, of course, the Lord Jesus and, and Mary. Uh, and so not to say that there aren't other wonderful mothers in the scriptures. There are uh, many, but there's just a little bit more information that's given here and something that I think that we can draw from. Uh, that will help not just our moms, but all of us and challenge our faith. And so I hope that uh, this will be a blessing to you. But if you found your place there, 1 Samuel chapter number 1, and we're going to be looking here at the first 19 verses this morning. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramath Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph the Ephrathite. And he had two wives, and the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to, to, do, to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy, thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaiden, remember me, and not forget thine handmaid. But will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, the plight of a godly mother. Let's pray together. Father, as again, as we open your word now, Lord, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to you. Lord, I pray that you would examine our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that your presence would be felt wherever we are. 
and that you would help us to glean some truth, some principles here that will help us to walk more closely and more pleasingly to our Father. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and your way in each and every life now. In Jesus' name and amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, as we get started this morning and we look here, uh, I realize that to most of us, this is a pretty familiar story. It's something that we uh, know fairly well. And so we're going to review it a little bit as we get started, but we're not going to kind of pick it apart in every fine detail. I think there's uh, many, many messages here. There's a lot more here than we could cover in just uh, one sermon this morning. And so when we look at this, uh, of course, there's uh, the, the unique family unit that you see a lot in the early Old Testament here, uh, where there's this man and he has these two wives and one uh, has had children, Hannah has none, and culturally uh, that was a sign of God's blessing. And so they accepted that, they believed that to be true, they, uh, they believed that that was uh, God showing that you are blessed and you are not. And so here's Hannah, a woman who is godly in her nature and her spirit. She loves the Lord. Uh, she has great faith in the Lord. And we're going to look at some of those things in a moment. But yet uh, she is without. And so uh, she is more loved. She is definitely the favorite wife of the two. And because of that, the other wife is an adversary to her. Now, I think we all understand what it's like to have uh, people in our lives that are adversarial, people that kind of work against us or they... Uh, they really savor their victories over us and they like to rub things in and that's kind of what she had to deal with here. She had to uh, deal with this thing where every year when they went to make their yearly sacrifice and they uh, would all travel together as a family and they all had to do that by, by their practice and their, their religion, their laws. Uh, that God had set forth, and uh, and all of that gets really technical, but it's not the point this morning, so we're not going to spend any time there. Uh, but they had to make this this pilgrimage annually, and they had to make the sacrifice together uh, as a family. And, uh, and so as they did that, then this provided a time uh, to be reminded, to be reminded of uh, God's blessing or the lack thereof to be a good, to be reminded of past success or current failure, uh, however they interpreted or perceived their life to be going at the time. And so she's dealing with the emotions of feeling as if, uh, God, what's wrong with me? She's dealing with the emotions of having someone that is antagonizing her at every moment. Uh, she has a husband who is trying to do what he can to be a comfort to her and to, to reassure her and to uh, lift her up as we've seen uh, in the text this morning. And, and so she's kind of cope, she's coping with all of these things. And then her response is priceless. It, it is uh, not one where she's lashing back out at her antagonizer. Uh, it's not one where she's blaming uh, her husband. It's one simply where she realizes that the only solution to her problem is her faith. It is God. And so she turns to God. And she is a wonderful example here, not just for moms, but for all of us, that when problems come in our life, whether they're real or perceived, whether our burdens are heavy or whether they're light, that we find a comfort in knowing that God cares about us, that God has, can solve our problem or God can grow us through the problem and teach us what he has for us and ultimately use our lives for his glory. And so uh, that's what I hope that we'll see this morning as we look here. Uh, you know, when we talk about moms and this special day that we set aside every year to honor our mothers and <clears throat> 
I think that it's fair to say that uh, every age presents its own challenges to, uh, to the Christian life and to, in this case, motherhood. Uh, I think that what we see here in our story is that, uh, that their lifestyle was very different than our lifestyle today. Their family dynamic was very different than our family dynamic today. Uh, their, their things that they had to cope with, the way their methods of travel, their methods of communication, uh, everything about their life was different except the Lord. Uh, and so it, there's a struggle. And I think that no matter what era of history we would go back and look at, whether it's biblical history or whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, the history that's beyond the Bible, you know, whether it's uh, something that uh, isn't detailed a lot for us in the Scripture, periods of time that uh, aren't covered. Uh, and certainly as you come into this modern age and postmodern age uh, where we look at uh, the way that life has changed, even just in the last hundred years, how life and the expectations of life and the expectations of the world around us have changed upon us and in our roles and what families look like. Now, I'm not saying that God has changed. God has set forth what he wanted the family structure and unit to look like. And, uh, and so that, that is uh, without question. But the reality is, is that how that practically manifests itself from one period of time to another has looked at times dramatically different. And so uh, I, I would say that today uh, that it is difficult and more difficult in a lot of ways, even with all of the modern conveniences for uh, a mother to uh, mother. Uh, you know, it's, 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 we live in a, in a time and a place where it's almost, uh, it's, it's very unusual for uh, us to afford to live if both parents don't work. And that's a whole different dynamic structure and culturally. Uh, and so it's another complexity that's layered upon trying to, uh, to parent, trying to be the wife and the mother, trying to be the husband and the father that we should be uh, for our families. And so one of the great casualties, I think, of, uh, of the culture in which we live is uh, is uh, the biblical example of mom. You know, one thing about uh, in Bible times and the way that they lived, uh, mom, uh, I mean, she was, she was there. She was there. She was there part of every day. And that's not always possible in the time in which we live. And so I'm not here to say that, uh, that, that that's right or wrong. It's just a reality of where we are. But what I am saying is that it makes things more complicated. You know, bringing a child into the world does not make one a true mother, a true father. You know, anyone uh, can, uh, can bring a child into the world. But to truly love and nurture and to parent, to be the mom and the mother that God uh, would design you to be, to be the father, if you're a man watching this morning, that God intends for us to be, uh, is something that goes beyond just having children. See, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to show and to demonstrate to our children a picture of God, uh, a picture of the Trinity, a picture of God's love and God's grace, a picture of God's justice and God's uh, mercy and compassion. Uh, and we do all of those things. And I think no one does that better uh, than a mom. Uh, I think that it's fair to say today that it's more difficult for 
uh, moms to bond and to stay bonded to their children just simply because of the pace of our life and the busyness uh, of our life and the way that we interact uh, throughout the different stages of life and what we have to do, so, which means that we just have to work harder at it sometimes. Uh, there's uh, some things that we, that we do uh, that have become a little bit more difficult we have to work harder at. There are also a lot of advantages that we have today uh, as far as the technology and as far as the comforts of life and, and the way uh, that we live and the way that we uh, can cook and just the simple things like running water uh, are something that is in, in light of history is a relatively new thing, though most of us have never lived without running water. I occasionally have met folks that have, or uh, you know, much older folks when I was young, it wasn't as hard to find someone that had lived that way, but I've, you know, you go out into some places and there are people that still uh, would have to fetch water or pump water from a well by hand and do uh, different things of that nature. But that's really, for the most part, in our country and in our day of life, uh, those things are different. Uh, and so we have different types of work. We have different types of interaction. We have different types. And so there's a lot of blessing, but there's also a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of antagonists uh, in our lives today. And they don't always take on the form of another person. Sometimes it takes on the form of, uh, of uh, just the stress of life or the stress of a job or uh, the demands of a schedule. Uh, all that to say this, that a godly mother... Uh, must work hard to be a godly mother. And every mother has to work hard just to be mom. But to be the mom that God intends us to, you to be, uh, to be for the men, the dad that God intends us to be, is something that we have to work harder at uh, because we have so much to uh, struggle to focus upon. And I think that we see that in Hannah here. And so there's three primary things that I want to point out, though we certainly could look at a lot more uh, things than what I'm going to show this morning. Uh, but the reality is, is that Hannah is a very special woman. She's a very special woman because she knows and she's confident in whom to turn when she has a problem. And, I, and the first thing I want us to see this morning is Hannah's focus. Hannah was focused. You know, one of the difficulties in our, I think, in our, in our culture today is that it's hard to stay focused on anything for very long. Now, there's so many things and so many people vying for our time and attention, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, a device or social media, a call, uh, uh, a TV program, a job responsibility, someone stopping by or someone uh, who has a need or, uh, you know, the, the, the child that needs to be comforted or the wound that needs to be uh, needs to be made better or. Uh, the house that needs to be cleaned, or uh, the list could go on and on and on, uh, to make it hard to focus, to make it hard to stay locked in on that which uh, is most important. Now, I'm not saying that all of these other things don't need tended to or don't need to be done, but here's Hannah at a unique time of her year, at a special time in her life, where she feels the weight of the world on her shoulders. She feels as if God has rejected her, she feels as if she has uh, let down uh, her husband, though certainly nothing that she's experiencing that brings on those emotions are, be, are within her control. Uh, I, mean, I think that we find that in life a lot of times. Some of the things that weigh us down the most, that burden our hearts the most, are the things that we feel as if we have no real control over, that we really have no 
uh, ability to change. We didn't invite them, we didn't cause them, that's just things that have been thrust upon us and how we cope with those things uh, really determines our walk with God. Uh, and it determines a lot of, the, of how we interact with our families and how we interact with others. It determines how uh, we feel about ourselves a lot of time, whether we feel like we've valuable, we're valuable or whether we're successful or whether we're failing. And so uh, what we see here, I think, that's a, a primary point in this passage is that Hannah is focused. Now, we could look at a lot of things, and she clearly has spent some time where she has, you know, had to focus on the, 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 the things that have been brought at her, the, the hurtful words and uh, the emotions and the feeling. But uh, she certainly has had times when those things have dominated her thoughts. But when it comes time to get down to it and to solve the problem, I think what we see is that she is a woman who gets laser-focused. She gets her eyes on the Lord. Now, she, what she wants is what we all want. We want to be blessed. We want God's blessing in our life. Uh, we want to feel as if our lives are adding value to the lives of others. We want to feel as if our lives uh, matter. And so there are two primary things here about Hannah's focus. I think that she is focused on the blessing of God. Now, her focus on the blessing of God takes her through a difficult series of events. So first, she, uh, she is troubled emotionally. She's pondering these things. She's going over these things in her heart and mind. And I think you see that expressed whenever Elkanah comes to her and he says, Why are you weeping? And why can't you eat? And am I not enough for you? Uh, what she's doing is she's, she's dealing with and she's processing uh, her situation and she's trying to find a foot forward, a path forward, and she's getting focused on what she needs to do to be blessed. She wants blessing. Remember, they equate childbearing with God's blessing upon their life and to not have it means I'm not blessed. So what she wants is blessing. And I think that appeals to all of us, for a man or a woman, uh, that we all can resonate with that, the fact that we want God's blessing in our life. We want uh, God's approval in our life. We want God's favor in our life. And so she's focused on getting this blessing, but she doesn't focus it uh, in the wrong direction. She goes to God. She goes to the Lord in prayer. And the second thing that I think that we see there is this, that in her desire for God's blessing, she has a burden to obtain that blessing. She has a tremendous burden to, to take steps that are necessary to obtain the blessing of God. You know, and that's where a lot of us miss it. We want God's blessing and we evaluate, but we're not willing to take the steps that are necessary. And so there's some things that she does here when we look at her. And if you notice in verse number 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. And so what's she doing here? She is going 
to the Lord in prayer. And that's what we see in the first step here. She has this tremendous burden. She has this tremendous need in her life. She feels afflicted. She feels uh, belittled. She feels uh, in, like she doesn't uh, bring value to have the value in her life that she desires to have. So what's her solution? Her, her solution is to focus on the issue at hand and to go to the Lord in prayer. And she prays. And I think that she prays fervently. She is not just a casual, this is not a time of casual prayer, and that's detailed here pretty clearly to us. She uh, is not one that is just, you know, Lord, I would like for you to bless me today. Would you please bless me today? And then she's back about her business. No, she came apart. This has overwhelmed her spirit and her soul. It has affected her ability to eat. It has affected her ability to con control her emotions outwardly. It has brought her to her knees. It is a tremendous burden. And you know, sometimes in life, burdens get heavy. Sometimes our burdens are powerful. Sometimes our burdens, uh, if we're not careful, can destroy us. But she was not allowing her burden to destroy her. She was allowing her burden to focus her. And so she goes to the Lord in prayer. And she begins to pray. And she prays specifically. She is very direct about what she's seeking from God. She is looking to solve the problem of, to take away the ammunition of her antagonist. To take away uh, that which causes her to feel down on herself. She's very specific in her prayer. And so we see that she's praying, but she's praying in a way that's, passionate because she is pouring out her heart to God. And verse 15, she states that and Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, Eli comes and thinks that she's drunk. And here she is to make a sacrifice with her family to atone for their sin. And the high priest comes and accuses her of, uh, of being drunk. And she says, no, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor so strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. You know, isn't it funny that so often we'll pour out our soul to anybody that'll stop and listen for a moment, but we seldom take the time to go and pour out our soul to the Lord. The point here is, is that she did not just casually pray, but she poured her heart out to God. She had big burdens. She didn't let those burdens make her, I mean, you know, stop and you put herself in her shoes. She could have just been angry. And bitter and sought revenge against Penina. She, she could have been angry at God. She could have blamed others. But she didn't. She just poured her heart out to God. And she didn't just go there casually. She's been there for quite some time. She's been there laboring in prayer. And she perseveres. And then she stays there until she gets an answer. Now her answer is unique in the way that God brings it. Because he comes and here comes Eli. And he makes uh, the accusation. But he also hears what she says. And it resonates. And he understands uh, that this woman is truly giving her heart to God. And he tells her uh, that go in peace. And the God of Israel grant you your request. And that was her answer from the Lord. For the high priest to come and to acknowledge her and to hear what she was praying for and what she was giving her heart to God about and then to say, God, grant you the request. 
caused her to just have a peace that overwhelmed her. And you know, it's an amazing thing whenever we get serious with the Lord and spend that kind of time and power and energy and passion and prayer. How when the answer finally comes, it's as if the burden is lifted. Maybe the answer hasn't been delivered yet, but we just have that confidence and that faith that God's going to grant the request, that God is going to uh, give what he's given, and she perseveres. You know, I, we stop and we look and evaluate our own hearts and lives this morning when we look at the, the difficulties that we have in life or the problems that we have in life, whether they're, uh, whether they're physical or whether they're health or whether they're uh, within our, our marriages or when our relationships with our children and friends or co-workers or whatever it may be. Are we focused on solving the problem in a way that glorifies God? Or are we just focused on how big of a problem someone else is in our life? See, she's focused on getting the problem solved. She is a woman who proves herself to be a godly mother. She gives us Samuel. She gives us the last judge. She gives us a great prophet. She gives us uh, a man who is going to uh, lead his nation, but more importantly, he's going to demonstrate to us uh, many wonderful truths and great things from the Lord. This is because a mother went to God in prayer, because a mother dealt with her problems, because a mother dealt with her heartache in such a way that caused, uh, that caused God to give attention. So what does she do? She has a problem. She focuses on solving the problem, not, uh, not explaining the problem. She goes to God in prayer, but she doesn't just casually pray. She pours her heart out before God, and as she pours out her heart, she stays and she perseveres in prayer until God gives the answer. Until she has a reason to believe that God is going to deliver uh, the answer that she's prayed for. That he's going to grant her request. That he's going to give her uh, this child. She is focused on the Lord. Focused on her walk with him. Focused on obtaining his blessing. Focused on setting everything that's wrong emotionally in her heart and her mind right because they're focused on God. Secondly, this morning we see that Hannah's had some legitimate frustration. See, and I think that that re relates well to us today because all of us have things in life that are frustrating. And we're going to back up here uh, just a moment because uh, when we talk about frustration, her great frustration, listen, for her to not have a child was something that would weigh on her heart and her spirit. But to have someone constantly throwing it at you, to have someone that you have to share life with, constantly badgering you, that gets to a whole different level. And so there's this frustration. Why is she frustrated? Well, notice in verse 6, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. This woman, Penina, had already had children. Verse 4 uh, makes that clear. <coughs> and we see uh, that this is a, a problem. And, and I would say this, but we see here is this is the dealing with the prosperity of an enemy. What's her frustration? Her frustration is, is that here's someone who is not uh, living for the Lord, someone that's not uh, having certainly a, a Christian spirit, someone that's, that's made 
our lives a competition basically uh, and and she feels slighted like she understands that Hannah's the favorite wife and so uh, that's not on Hannah uh, and so that, that she's coping and she's dealing with all of these things it, it makes me think uh, to Asaph in Psalm 73 when he said truly God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart but as for me my feet were almost gone my steps had well nigh slipped for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and so this is Hannah's problem she looks at someone who is not living a life that you would expect as a Christian for God to bless. Why do they have all of these things? Why do they uh, seem to have the, all of the best things in life? And I'm trying to do honor the Lord and serve the Lord and live for the Lord, and yet I'm going without. And we get our eyes so focused on the here and now and the material things of this world that we lose focus of what's really important, and that's her frustration, the prosperity of her enemy. But if, as if looking at a daily basis at Penina interacting with her children and watching even worse Elkanah interacting with his children, whenever your longing for those relationships would be difficult enough, the prosperity of the enemy would be devastating. But if that wasn't bad enough, she had to deal with the provocation of her enemy. And my friends, that's the way that the devil works. He, he was, uh, he was, you know, and it says when I thought, and Asaph said in Psalm 73 and verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. In other words, I got a different perspective, Asaph says. I felt all of these things that we naturally would feel that I think that Hannah here is feeling until she came to the sanctuary, until God gave her a new perspective, until God gave her a broader view. And, uh, and that's what going to the Lord in prayer does for us, is that it helps us. Listen, we, we go to the Lord to, in prayer because a lot of times we're dealing and coping with frustration. The frustration of life, the frustration of the things in life that we uh, that we desire, and I think when you think in terms of moms, the uh, the things that you want to provide for your children, the way that you want to serve your family, the way that you want to love and be loved, the way that we uh, want our children to turn out to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to uh, have a life that's uh, devoted to Him, and we look at all those things, and when things happen that cause us to question whether we're going to ultimately get to uh, that goal or whether we're going to succeed to that end, uh, then those are things that become a frustration to us. And, and when we see those around us that, uh, that it seems like they're not even trying and their life is going so much more smoothly and it's so much easier and they have so much uh, more provided to them, uh, then we look and we say, well, the, the, the prosperity of the enemy, Lord, why uh, am I trying so hard to serve you and yet have all these problems? That's a natural response, something that we would deal with. But then to have that same enemy come and provoke you. To come and constantly badger you. To constantly remind you. Would be very frustrating in life. And so it just goes to show how powerful her focus on the Lord was.
she was focused, but she had a life of frustration. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to look at a passage like this and we understand for a moment the difficulty, but then we also see the result and how God came through and God blessed and uh, God did these wonderful things. And, uh, and we sometimes fail to really appreciate how devastating life was up until that point where God delivered how long that persevered, how th this was not something that she dealt with for a day or two. This, this was, uh, I mean, Penina has sons, plural. This has gone on for a few years, perhaps many years. And so this is something that she's been dealing with for a long time. She's frustrated, but her frustration has led her to focus on the Lord. And then thirdly and lastly, we see Hannah's faith. And I think ultimately that's what makes the difference in all of our lives. It's do we have the ability when frustrations come to focus on the Lord and to energize and exercise our faith in our God so that God can reach into our hearts and touch us and develop us and grow us in the way that he wants us to be developed. Notice verse number 18. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. Listen, God has given her peace in her heart that he is going to bless her, that she is going to have this child. And then, in fact, she has children afterwards. But she, she goes to prayer distraught and she rises in confidence. She rises in faith. Why? Because she went to God in prayer. She expressed her faith. Her faith was in God. Her, her faith was not in the words of the high priest. Her faith was not in uh, this old man walking by and making a faulty assumption and then hearing her and then adjusting and just trying to say some comforting words to her. No, she, she had tremendous faith in her God. And I'm, I'm saying this morning that whenever life gets difficult, when parenthood gets challenging, when motherhood gets, uh, gets overwhelming, have faith in God. God is right there with you. God is right here with us and he leads us. And what we see is that she expresses that she has great faith in God. And the reason that I say that is because as soon as she has this confidence in her heart, she gets up. She's, she's happy. Remember before she was sad, she was weeping. She gets up and she eats. Remember before she couldn't eat, she lost her appetite. She has every belief and confidence that God is going to encourage her. And I would say the second thing that we see here is that her faith was unflinching. Now, we don't have a record of the response, but I can imagine her going back after her time in prayer and then coming to Elkanah, who was just comforting her when she was weeping, who was just trying to be an encouragement to her. And now all of a sudden she comes in and everything has changed her. She's happy. She's upbeat. She's, uh, she has confidence that everything is going to be all right. And she's uh, eating again. And if I'm him, I'm thinking, what happened to you? <laughs> You're not, uh, just uh, a few hours ago, you were in this state and now you're all happy. Why? How? I could see Penina looking and saying, aha, I got her. She's, she's weeping and she can't eat and uh, really enjoying and savoring her victory over her. And now she comes back as if she has many children. 
And she's energized. And uh, why? And I would say this, that they had to have called into question what happened, what's done. And that makes me lead, that leads me to the conclusion that her faith was unflinching. That there's no doubt. I mean, you could hear the discussion. Well, what makes you think that all of a sudden you're going to be able to have a child now? Especially coming from Penina, uh, where she's like, you know, you, you, all of a sudden you think that something's going to be different? What, why would you think that? Why would you believe that something's going to be different? But she was not shaken. Her joy was full and she went about uh, her life and then God touched her and she was blessed and she had this child. And she taught him and she trained him and she loved him. And she kept her promise to God. And Hannah's faith was in God and her faith was unflinching. But the last thing I want you to notice about her faith is this. Because we all like to be people of faith and we all want to come to a point where we say, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have faith in the Lord and I'm, I'm good, well, I want my faith to grow. And, uh, and we understand that we get faith from God through the word of God. Uh, and the Bible tells us that clearly, that faith cometh through hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I want you to notice that her faith was not born of just hearing the Lord's word. It came about because that seed was planted. She knew God. She knew his word. She knew these truths. But something happened that triggered those things to actually develop and to grow. And I would say this, that her faith was born in the bowels of affliction. And you know, there's just something about our lives that when affliction comes, when problems come, there's an opportunity to either be crushed, sidelined, ruined by that affliction, or there's an opportunity for our faith to expand and to grow so that we become more powerful, more effective, more in line with what God has for our lives. Her faith was born in the bowels of affliction. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Why? Because God is growing us. God is developing us. God is, is, is bringing something about in our life. Hey, listen, Mom, if you're going through a, a tough time, just have faith in the Lord and go to the Lord in prayer. If there's frustration in your life, focus on the Lord. If there's frustration in the home, if there's frustration in the workplace, if there's frustration in the neighborhood, if there's something in your life that is just wearing you down and bringing frustration about upon you, focus on Jesus. Focus on his word. Focus on his leading. Focus on the bigger picture. Focus on the outcome. Where, not where am I today, but where do I want to be? Not where my family is today, but where do I want my family to be when they reach adulthood, when they reach their this stage of life or that stage of life? And when I'm focused on those things and I focus in prayer to those things and I pour my heart out to God with those things and I persevere in prayer until God gives the answer, then I can rise up realizing that in the midst of this persevere, of this, of this affliction, in the midst of this uh, overwhelming emotional point in my life, in the midst of this, uh, this uh, not knowing how things are going to turn out time in my life, in the midst of all of this, that I'm keeping my faith focused on God. I'm pouring my heart out to him in prayer. My faith is unflinching. 
When everything around me seems to unravel, when nothing makes sense to anybody at all, my faith is unwavering and unflinching in the truths of the Word of God. And that faith that was born in adversity is the faith that will bring about an answer from God, that will bring His power, that will bring His blessing, that will bring the results that God desires in my life, that will cause me to live a life that God is blessed, that honors the Lord, that glorifies God, and a life that impacts others. And here's the wonderful thing about motherhood, is that mom, when we get to that point, when you get to that point where you're focused in and your prayer and you're not overwhelmed by your frustration, but it's driven you to God, and your faith has grown, then those lives that you are impacting are impacting generations to come. Because in a moment of difficulty, you went to your knees instead of hiding in your emotion. And you kept faith in God. And you kept loving the Lord. And you kept serving the Lord. And you kept investing in God's people, the ones that he gave you, the most important ones of all, the ones that he's given you to mother. And when it's all said and done, those have gone out and changed the world. I think about Mary and I think about her standing there at the foot of Jesus' cross and think back to times when Jesus began his ministry and she just encouraged everyone to just do what he says to do. You know, Jesus wasn't her only child. And I realize that just like with all of us, that's Jesus that works in us and changes us, develops us, that calls us. But do you realize that her other children served him? That her son, James, was the pastor of the church, Jerusalem? She persevered. She prayed. She had faith. Moms, dads, young people, wherever we are in life, we can learn from this. That when times of affliction and frustration come, focus on the Lord. Let the Lord grow your faith. And in the end, God will be glorified. We will be blessed. And the world will be impacted for the glory of God. Would you let God work in your heart this morning? Perhaps you're watching or you're listening this morning and you're thinking, Pastor, I've just got all these overwhelming things in my life. I understand. Maybe I don't understand the details of them. Maybe I don't understand of what level your frustration is at. But I can't imagine a frustration level being much greater than what Hannah's frustration level had to be here. But God made the difference. And he can make the difference in your life too if you'll let him. If I'll just get focused on Jesus, would you focus on Jesus this morning? Would you focus not on the problem, but on the solution? Would you go to him in prayer? And would you let him grow your faith? And would you honor him with your life?